welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP. I am here with the co-hosts, Father Chuck. How are you, my friend? And how is your Pokédex these days? Well, um, first, to answer the first question, I'm doing well. I just, I, I just became a citizen of the city of Boca Raton, Florida. Oh, right. Yeah, my, we, we, we moved on campus at the school that I work at, so I got a pretty the, sweet house there. The, I old, have a, the old mouth of the rat. Yep, yep, yep. Um, actually, I can talk about why it's called that if, if anyone's ever curious. But, um, I, um, but I now have a seven-minute on-foot commute to my office every day. So nice. that's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's been the big thing this, this past week for me is unpacking and dealing with the adjustment of moving. Um, but as for the poke, as for the Pokedex, um, I'll pull up my numbers here. Let's see. Um, I have 65 Ooh. Pokemon. I have caught and seen 65. I am level 17. Um, uh, and I think I, I'm still a little level five. <laughs> and, um, I... I finally caught my Scyther. Nice. That I mentioned a few weeks ago. Yeah. Nice. Round he, of applause. He showed up at the Boca Mall just out, <laughs> just outside of Nordstrom. We had our encounter there at the Nordstrom coffee shop. I was, to be honest, a little disappointed that it wasn't much more of an epic encounter. Um, he was only showing up as yellow, so he like it was like one great ball and one raspberry. Boom, got him. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was kind of hoping for like you know like your epic encounter that you had, JP, where you like threw like thirty pokeballs at a thing and <laughs> at a dragoner, yeah, yeah. Rick Johnson, yeah, yep. <laughs> Please tell the listeners what why you about that bit. Oh, there's this whole thing where people are naming their Pokemon. You know, they they post screenshots of all their Pokemon and these names they come up with some of them are kind of quirky some of them are cute some of them like named after i don't know x-men or something um i named mine after uh white males <laughs> it's just just the kind of guys you would expect a firm handshake from can, can you please on the facebook <laughs> post a, a screenshot of it because it's so funny to sure. see because like in the abstract it's like oh that's not that but when you like look and you see like an ev named like tim johnson that's really funny <laughs> um evie what's my evie's name uh, i'll look it up later well thank you father chuck uh, i'm also here with my other co-host matt wells who yeah. i've known since my junior year in high school Matt Wells, what's your Pokedex like? You doing you doing good? You doing uh, all right? Pokemon. I think he like he maxed um, out, right? You're level forty. You I caught them all. You that guy in the news? I definitely don't play as much as I used to, which is to say that I only play like a couple hours instead of all day. Um, let's see. I'm level twenty two, and I've caught ninety two and seen ninety four. Wow! Look at that. Ugh. And the those epic battles you talked about, you know, that you were mm-hmm. wishing, yeah, they're not fun. The reason I have two that I've seen and haven't caught is because I had those epic battles that cost me everything. Like in my the Blastoise, item, and, and they the... ran away. Ooh. Um. So, other than actually this guy here, I found one of them. But this guy here, uh, this Magmar dude, I threw one at him. He ran away, and I've just never seen him again. Oh. So that's just mean. Uh, but yeah. The other guy, he um, he cost me everything I had. The blast, blast toys. Blast toys. Everything I had, everything. Uh, Ultra ball, great ball. Oh. Oh, and he no. ran away, and I don't have him now. But that's all right. I'll uh, probably evolve him before I see another one. 
Uh, I am currently battling an Ecans. Ecans. Nice. I just caught him. Here we go. All right. Uh, There's a snake in my boot. Sorry. Yeah. That that seemed appropriate, but maybe it was just wrong. Is that Ecans? Is it Ecans? I don't don't know Pokemon. Like, I don't. I say, I would say either. I would say Ekans, but. Ekans. Sure. Ekans also works, whatever. Uh, Well, I am at Caught 28, Scene 28, and I'm at a level 7. All right. Lucky number uh, 7. Cooking with gas over here. (laughs) Banging on all cylinders on the Pokemon Go. (laughs) What do you guys think? you think it's kind of dropping off in popularity? you think we're not hearing much from it? I've been seeing a lot of complaints. We were kind of getting tired of the sameness of it. Uh, The the five-star review has turned into a two-star review on on the Apple Store. Really? That was all over the news. Um, It went from the five-star to two because there was a massive influx of one-star ratings. Oh. And um, or oh, Chan in action. Yeah, I would say that I see a drastic just... drop in the simple fact that I don't see lures everywhere anymore. Yeah, that there's that. I think I think a couple of things. One is the first the, the one star review to me is just that reminds me of just how insufferable a lot of video game people can be. Like yes, no offense to you, Father Fun, you were one of the good ones. <laughs> so you're like not all gamers. Great. Now we have to have them on um, again. But, but like no, um, no tall gamers, <laughs> no tall gamers, but um, but like you know, there's that there's that underbelly we've talked about, like within the video gaming subculture, that like is just really obnoxious and entitled, and I feel like that's just evidence of that. But at the same time, I think pretty much everyone who's going to play the game has signed up for the game, and now it's sort of trickling off that the people who really want to stick with it are sticking with it. Uh, plus, there's that bug that affects being able to find them. That mm. I think is really an unfortunate oh, that, aspect of that. And what I read, that was the biggest thing that caused yeah. a huge out, outrage and all the one stars was that the tracking systems. Which apparently <clears> something to do with more on Google's up. end than with Niantech's end. But um, but they they the tracking system, we all know it originally screwed up where the footprints underneath were not working like they're supposed to, telling you right. you're getting close. Then... Uh, the people who made the game just decided to do away with the footprints right. entirely. Until they can fix but it. But somehow in that process, they also made all um, the outside apps and websites that were created to help you track them no longer work. Well, that and w- that's what caused all the problems. Well, I also read about that that issue, too, was that um, those websites were using, they were able to, they were leeching off of the servers. Mm-hmm. That Pokemon Go uses, uh, and they were like unleashed. They were releasing it in Latin America, um, probably, you know, to coincide with the Olympics happening in Rio. But they, they, uh, but they, 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 they released it in Latin America, and they said they needed to free up the server space to make sure that it was a, a seamless deal. That was their claim. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, cool. Well, we got uh, we got that business covered. <laughs> Let's talk about why we're really here. Uh, we're waiting for us. somebody to say why we're really here. <laughs> Everyone's looking us. at each other. Which one? Why are we really here? Uh, well, you know, the past few weeks, we've kind of changed up a format a little bit uh, in terms of uh, blockbusters coming out this summer. Yeah. Um, more movie-centric discussions. I think we're going to change it up a little bit more instead of just being about Three guys talking about a movie. We're gonna kind of bring back the old flair, the old, the old Masters of Divinity flair. Am I right? The, you mean the Rick flair? The woo. 
Yeah, sure. Ric Flair. That's cool. We, we need to have a wrestling episode. We've got a wrestling episode. We just talk about Randy Savage. That's all I would talk what about. What if we just what if we just turn into a wrestling podcast? Just overnight. <laughs> we just, that's just it. We're we're wrestling. We're a wrestling thing. From this episode on, we will just whatever we decide to talk about, we will come on acting as though we have always been a podcast <laughs> about that subject. And like <laughs> Matt can be like the crowd pleaser. Chuck, you can be like the heel. Nice. And then I could be like the the announcer and be like, what what's going on now? What's going on? What's he doing? What's he, what, what what do you mean by that, Chuck? What do you mean by that? <laughs> and then and then Matt can turn heel and suddenly I become the hero. <laughs> can I hit him with a chair? Yeah. If sure. you want, if you must, I guess. Yeah. And that's part of it, right? Like JP can, can tell you I'll you know, for the sake of for the sake of our for creative sake of endeavors. For the sake of entertainment and our creative endeavors, I will I will put my life on the line. All right, well, <laughs> you really will. It's we'll, great. We'll save this episode to be our first uh, video episode. J- JP, almost, <laughs> J- JP, JP almost killed me for a freshman for a freshman film project. Yeah. Sophomore year. Sophomore year film project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I almost had you kill somebody, which is interesting. Yeah. Oh, were you almost drowned a kid? You know, we dunked his head in the fountain. Oh, that's right. For RAs. For the, yeah. for the RAs, which... <laughs> which didn't make it to the final cut. JP, but... I'm seeing a trend here. Um, you almost what? killed one of my friends at the beach by oh, that's true. lying to the lifeguard. <laughs> he is a director. He he coaxes the best performances possible out of his out of his out of his actors. He would, yeah, you what, know what what JP did. I, I'll just tell the story. I think that's a funny story. JP's a method director. Is yeah. That what well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I actually yeah. try to kill them. Maybe so. I'm just stupid. But we he had to do this project where it was a very simple idea of just like he had to like show like different types of shots. In film school. So it was just like panning shot, rolling dolly shot, you know, just like, and like all of his like peers, for the most part, were sort of just going for it just straight. They're just like, like really boring. Like they go down to the fountain and they show a pan shot of a fountain. So JP had this really great idea. He's like, I want to have fun with this. Like I want to do something with it. So a few of us, um, we decided to do like little acts for each of the shots, like over the shoulder shot. It was like me getting stabbed or like, um, or whatever. We recreated scenes from movies and stuff. And yeah, we did all kinds of fun stuff. But anyway, so we did this one. Where he had to do a. Um, was it was a. It, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't a pan shot. It was a, it was a tracking ball. shot. It was a tracking shot. So this idea of like it was going to be. He put he put um, his camera on one of my skateboards and he was going to roll it like from my feet to my head. And when you got to my head, like I was going to be being strangled. That was the idea we came up with. Yeah. And so we wrapped a vacuum cleaner cord around my neck. <laughs> and one of our other friends um, who, who tended to wear Doc Martin boots had his boot on my head and was pulling. You mean V screen boots? Yes. Pretty um, much, yeah. Pulling the, the cord. And I was like, you know, pull it tighter, pull it tighter. That's why I chose his feet. Yeah. Mm, so I, I felt my eyes bulging out of my head. Like I was, I really was losing, like about to lose consciousness. From from it, this whole it, thing, he didn't tell it you how looked, long he was going to track that shot up to your head. <laughs> no, it did take a while, but you know what? It looked great. It really did look great. It it, it looked really, and great. it got a lot of laughs in your class. I think when you yeah, it. people are like, "Is he really dead?" I'm like, <laughs> oh, he's fine. <laughs> I can't. Okay? I can't prove it, but he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. Speaking of, does anyone know where I can find some lie? And and then it just ends with uh, 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 Chuck shredding guitar, uh, being hit with a strobe light. And that's yeah. how I ended my project. Yeah, because you had to do uh, you had to do like three cuts or whatever, right? And so the idea was like step one, like it was like we did how to rock out. Yeah. And oh, that was a different project, but this oh. one, I just had to cut to like I just had to like 
track and pan. Oh, that's right. And I ended on the pan with you, and you started rocking out on, on electric guitar. And hit you with the strobe light, and it was epic. And it was awesome. Was that heaven? Huh? Yes. Like you died, and then that so, was the heaven. Was that the heaven scene? No, I don't. We, we didn't think that far into it. You didn't think that far. No. No, no. <laughs> no that, I meant in the course of your project, JP. I wasn't like, was it heaven to sit there and play your guitar? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, so you it showed was. him dying, and then he's playing a guitar and a strobe light and stuff. I was wondering if you had a My thought. entire life has been downhill since that moment. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I had tracked from somebody playing an acoustic guitar rather romantically and then panned to him rocking out on an electric guitar, making the statement that, that uh, Unplugged sucks and... Electric is awesome. It was good timing. We did take up a couple takes for that. But I remember, I remember I jumped off of I jumped off of a chair. Yes. And like I hit the ground immediately as the strobe light kicked in. Right. But like you timed it so perfect, like to flip the light off and hit the strobe <laughs> light at the moment my feet hit the ground. It was pretty awesome. It was good. It was good stuff. I miss film school. Yeah. I miss had, I miss making movies. We had I want to go back. I want to go back to it. We need we need a reunion. We need to. <laughs> we should remake that video. <laughs> I'm not talking. I have kids now. <laughs> we can use your kids. It'd be great. I can or, strangle you with a vacuum cleaner cord. We could do like a sequel of it. It's like lame because we have children. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, after that little trip down memory lane, um, let's talk about an actual movie that was made that came out over the weekend called Suicide Squad. Squad, S-K-W-A-D, as Margot Robbie uh, tattooed on her co-stars for some reason. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. For real? Because I didn't know that. Like, for real, she tattooed? They all got tattoos? Yes, she tattooed the cast, except for Will Smith. But Will Smith tattooed somebody. But they spelled it differently. Squad, S-K-W-A-D. Right. All right. On purpose? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Was it because she was doing the whole character thing? I don't know. I'm sidetracking, but I honestly didn't hear this. Uh, this is news to me, too. I'm telling you, I was wondering why you guys were spelling well, it that way in our Will, message thread. Well, look up, look up the... Will Smith talked about it on Stephen Colbert. Oh, okay. Sorry. So I'm sorry. It's, it's probably on YouTube. Yeah, I didn't mean to sidetrack. I was legitimately like, wait, what? Because I didn't hear that yet. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, it's actually kind of a funny story, but I'll let you look that up on Colbert. Uh, so Suicide Squad came out. We all know what Suicide Squad about. It's about all of the DC villains, not all of them, but a select few of them hired by the government to uh, do their bidding. Well, coerced by the government. Yeah, not hired. <laughs> coerced by the government to do their bidding uh, for their own – well, I mean – in the comics, at least, it was for their freedom. I don't know what they're actually. I don't know what the stakes were in this one, to be honest. They didn't really make that clear. One of the many problems with the movie, uh, clarity. Um, so yeah, we all saw it, and it's the latest movie in the DC universe, or I guess what they're, they're calling the DC uh, expanded universe, ex- extended universe. So Is that what we're calling yeah, it? The, 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 the DCEU. But yeah. I'm also seeing DCCU for cinematic universe. But, right, but, right. So, but uh, what'd you guys think, Father Chuck? I know you have strong opinions. I I ju- like I I just finished it like a, like a, like like a little over an hour and a half ago. Um, yeah. So I went and saw it earlier today. Um, I I actually I ended up liking it. I mean, I think it has a lot of problems. My my it, it seems to be the problem that I'm seeing in so many movies this summer, which is that the editing is bad. Oh, yeah. Um, and, 
you know, like I'm like I walked out of that movie immediately thinking like, oh, I could have edited this movie a lot better. And like I was thinking in my head like, you know, like this is what I would have done. I think it'd be a stronger movie if it had been edited a certain way. Like even keeping the skeleton of the plot that they had there, like I think it could have been edited better and and and, and made a stronger movie that way. But that being said, I think the cast was great. Um, I think the performances were awesome. The movie was a lot of fun um, in what it offered. Um, I liked Will Smith a lot. Um, I liked I liked Margot Robbie's um, Harley Quinn. I like her performance of Harley Quinn. Not a huge fan of Harley Quinn's arc of sorts. In the, if you can even say there's an arc for her in that movie, um, but um, I, I I really did like the cast a lot. I think it, being a fan of the comics of the Suicide Squad comics, it felt like they took they made like a they put like a trade paperback. Suicide Squad storyline on screen is what it felt yeah. like to me. Um, it was cool to see like how bonkers they went with it that they have Killer Croc in it and like they have all this crazy stuff in it and they don't dwell on it. They're just like, yeah, there's magic. Yeah, there's this dude who's basically a crocodile and there's um, you know there's just all this stuff in it that I thought you know that they just don't they don't act like it's weird and new. This is just the world they live in now because you know Superman has shown up and everybody sort of accepted that the world has changed mm-hmm. um, and. I am of the somewhat controversial stance in the wider culture, but I really like Jared Leto's Joker in the movie. Did you? I did, yeah. And I know we'll probably get off on that all on our own separate later, so I won't dwell on okay. that right now. But um, but I like the movie. Um, I mean, I do have huge I – I, there are problems with it. So mm-hmm. um, I, my biggest – I will say my biggest problem with the movie is aside from the fact that – the, the like the villain to me poses no major discernible threat to the storyline the main the, the mm-hmm. major villain of the movie um, right. there's a really weak storyline there um, my biggest problem with the movie is the way they have they, they depict Harley Quinn in the movie um, not How the, so not her origin but the fact that she ends the movie exactly where she began okay I was really really fully expecting that the movie would be about her sort of getting her ridding herself of the Joker. Hmm. And that is not what her story is in the movie. And they've kind of done that with her in the comics lately. And I think it's really strong what they've done with her in the comics. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was a little disappointed in that, um, particularly to the kind of like troubling message that it can send to, you know, cause they've, they've obviously like marketed her really strongly and she's become like a major character in the DC pantheon for being marketed to even girls and to drive home this idea that like you know as long as you're with somebody who makes you happy it doesn't matter if they're abusive psychotic and really just try to make you what they want you to be that's okay in the end that that seemed well, about that that really bothered me but from what i understand the original cut was worse because he was like actively trying to kill her okay i mean he's like that it's kind of like that in the cartoon i mean he does kind of have that kind of attitude with her, but still, yeah, that's messed. That's messed up. It's kind of like yeah. Adam's family, where they're always trying to kill each other, the husband and wife, but they yeah. love each other so much. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think it was like that. I think it was. I don't know what the whole narrative was, but I know that the helicopter scene where he pushed her out of the helicopter to save her initially, before the reshoots and the reedits, um, he was he pushed out because he was trying to kill her. Ah. See, yeah. that, that, okay, so that brings up a point, and we'll get to Matt here in a minute, I guess, but that brings up a point, like, that I thought in the movie, because I thought for sure that was going to be the turning of her character, because early, when you see the flashback of her at the beginning of the movie, um, when Batman um, 
when Batman goes into the goes jumps into the water to say to to I guess pull Joker and her out of the car because the car jumps off a bridge. Joker's nowhere to be seen, and he's le- and 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 she has been left behind. Um. So Batman rescues her. And, with, and I mean, and the emphasis too, as he's driving toward the water, her last words are, "What are you doing? I can't swim." Yeah. What are you doing? I can't swim. Dr- yeah. Yeah. Good point. And so then, and so then, like I was like, okay, well, there's she's gonna be the the thought. That's gonna be the thing that's gonna hit in her head. That's that's gonna some point in the movie stick in her head. Like, why did he abandon me? And then he rescues her in the helicopter. And then he like makes this whole thing about there. The two of them are gonna jump, and he just pushes her out of the helicopter. And to mm-hmm. me, that seemed like, of course, then they make it seem like it's self sacrificial on the Joker's part, which I think is super problematic because the Joker does not self sacrifice. No. Um, but um, but the way that 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 whole scene is telegraphed to me indicated that that was like he was trying to push her out of the helicopter and that she was going to see like, Oh, I've been, again, he's abandoned me. But based on the ending of the, uh, the actual ending of the movie, you could possibly suggest that it was never implied to be self-sacrificing, but maybe it was always his intention of pushing her out, making it look like I'm going to save you just to get rid of her. Cause he didn't die. Well, right. But either way, like, it's yeah, just anyways, <laughs> So we've got a lot we can talk about there. But. All right, so th- those are your initial thoughts. Matt, what are your initial thoughts on Suicide Squad? Um, my initial thoughts, um, I liked it also. I- I'm surprised to say that, but I did. Um, the problems with the movie, which there are plenty, uh, could, almost, uh, could almost mirror what I said about Batman v Superman. Um, the editing is horrible. The story is a mess. Um, the introduction of characters so quickly that it's just messing up your movie instead of playing as part of it. Um, but I had fun watching this one. I didn't have fun watching the other one. But yeah, I, I actually kind of liked it. And I don't have a problem with the the villain. Um, I know you said he doesn't really have a discernible threat. Um, I don't have a problem with that because I think the whole point is they're the only threat was to the lady using them in the first place. Hmm, that's a fair point. So the, this whole mission, you're kind of going, what the heck? Like, yeah, somebody's got to stop this guy. But you're like, it's this huge big deal, but we don't really know why it's such a huge big deal. And they're told, oh, well, you're saving some diplomat, and he's in the bill. And like, oh, okay, but it just turns out to be her using them. So I don't actually have a problem with that, because the threat is just to her, and this whole thing is just her being... Manipulative and controlling. Well, and that's and that's where that's where I think the movie would have been stronger. Because if I if I if I had re-edited the movie, what I would have done is I would have because they front load some of that in the movie. Mm-hmm. What I would have done is I would have introduced the movie at the point where they are all at like that evacuate like the point where everybody's evacuated from the city and they start sort of unlock like releasing each of the characters from their from being arrested. I would have I would have introduced them at that moment with no flashbacks. So the flashbacks play out throughout the movie at different intervals. But as soon as they show up on the scene, they know as much as we know. They have no idea what's going on. And then later in the movie, reveal the backstory and say, like, they had tried to use Enchantress and it blew up. And so now they're on cleanup duty. And that's, I think that would have made a stronger. You would have Tarantino'd it. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Gone backwards in the explanation. Yeah. It's more like like Chris Nolan style. Uh, But I think it would have made a stronger movie that way. And that, that way, like, because. The way it plays out now, they try to make this kind of – they kind of try to play this case that there's a threat that they need to deal with in addition to this other piece that is that they're being played. And 
as a comics fan, like I get that because I know Amanda Waller is a character. But anyway, so I don't want to I don't want to bogart your bit here anymore. So. You you made me you made me think you're talking about introduction and like showing the characters and then introducing it throughout. Um, what's funny is I, I had to look, and according to IMDb anyway, so I mean it's not always accurate. Mm-hmm. But according to this, the the editor on this movie, because that's what we're all wondering, is who the heck edited this. Um, also did Nightcrawler, hmm. which is incredible, but did Pacific Rim, which is a movie that, ironically, as you're telling me, this is how I would have done it. Uh, for some reason, I thought of Pacific Rim. <laughs> like, yeah. It just starts off, and then you're being introduced throughout the movie. Uh, but also um, Billy Madison. Oh, hey. Okay, so you both liked it. Yeah, I would say, uh, I would say overwhelmingly that I, I enjoyed it. Yes, I, I did. I liked it. It, it has its problems. Not a perfect movie. I was, I would say that it's not a home run for DC, but it might be a base hit. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it definitely had the misfortune of being in the middle of production when DC decided to um, course correct. Course correct. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of both a, a victim uh, and and a. Um, sort of a product of that course correction uh, to the point where you can really see the seams. There was definitely a darker movie in there. Mm-hmm. I don't care what David Ayer says on his Twitter. Those reshots w- were for the humor. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, abs- it had to be because the humor, to me, the humor is what made the difference between Batman v Superman and this movie. Like I said, it, the Batman v Superman was a mess of editing. I could say all the same stuff about him, the story, the editing, but I had fun watching this one. Mm-hmm. So the humor is what, to me, was like, all right, they got one part of it right, but it seemed like it didn't fit in the movie. So you right. can tell that they went back, and whatever editing problems there were, were magnified when they put in these reshot humorous parts that, in my opinion, made the movie, but destroyed whatever actual movie was there before it happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just it didn't fit. There's two different tones. Um, it's like almost movie. like it's almost like you can kind of see like um like a painting on top of a painting mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah. You, you know when you're editing something a lot of what a lot of amateurs do when they're editing um when they're cutting something they'll kind of like put overlay video on top of each other in two different timelines and in the video you see like the video but like the seams around the edges it's like the other shot that's kind of what it looked like yeah. to me. I really, like something was retrofitted. Yeah, I really feel like the the clearest, the clearest thing you see that in, in my opinion, is Jared Leto's Joker. His yeah. Joker feels like it was in a different movie. Um, his scenes that, like the one where um, he's in the the nightclub with the the gangster. I don't remember the other guy's name, and he calls Harley yeah. Quinn over. That scene doesn't fit the tone of the movie. It's darker. It's it's creepier. Mm-hmm. It's more um, it's more eerie. Like on a the lighting, the the way it's shot, the like manic camera that's going around on his angles and face, mm-hmm. and and then the rest of the movie is like more lighthearted and the neon lights. Yeah. And I feel like his Joker um, was is where you can see the clearest um, signs of the original movie before they went back and added in the more the more lighter tone and more yeah. humorous tone to the, the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. He his his story runs parallel to the story where originally it, it was written to where he was actually one of the like 
bad guys before getting to the Enchantress. Like, he actually confronted the Suicide Squad, and there is, like, actually a big action scene involving all of them. Um, you can see scenes of it in the trailers, a part where you, like, you see Joker's his face is, like, burnt because it's from the uh, helicopter crash, and he, like, throws a grenade or something at them. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a... Um, that's right. There was even a scene... Um, that's right. There was a scene filmed... Uh, I remember during, like, last year, during some of the pre-production, where, like, like Joker is, like, hitting Harley Quinn, like, in right. the street. Like, there's a there's a whole scene of that, which didn't make it into the movie. Weird. I'd love to see the deleted oh, scenes. Oh, yeah. Scene, I, you're talking about the scene that was actually released? The one where they're, like, in front of the car? Yeah. Parked somewhere? Yeah. yeah I forgot yeah. about that. The whole scene yeah. where they're parked in and and, 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 you know, it, it kind of comes together when you realize uh, Enchantress in the comics... Doesn't have a brother, right? I thought that was like I, I was like I, I'm not a I'm not really big on Enchantress, but I have read Justice League Dark and a few other things where she's a, a character in it. Yeah. And so when they mentioned her having a brother, I was I thought I don't remember that. And then yeah, so it's definitely like I think the brother was supposed to be like a fill in for where Joker was supposed to be. Okay. So yeah, his his story runs uh, very parallel. He doesn't have much to do. <laughs> um, He's just there as sort of to kind of explain. It's part of Harley's arc, which is fine, I guess. I mean, I don't see a big problem with it personally. I just don't think it. I don't know. It just felt to me. I wasn't very connected with it. Um, I think it would have been cooler if he was an actual villain. But let's let's talk about some of the other characters, guys. Uh, uh, what do you think of Jai Courtney? I I I really want this I really wanted this to be a breakout role for him. Um I Hey, I you didn't think it was? I think I think it could have been actually. Yeah, I mean, he you at least recognize him now. <laughs> yeah. He's, it was memorable. Um I until I mean, in in previous episodes we've talked about my my fandom of DC Comics and I really like The Flash and one of my favorite Flash villains is Captain Boomerang. Yeah. Um um and because he's such a stupid, just like the Flash villains are so silly, but they've done some really cool stuff with them. Anyway, the original Rogues Gallery, if yeah, I the, the Rogues. I mean, they, they call themselves the Rogues. That's their whole thing. They're like they all kind of team up with each other. But like Digger Harkness, the character. I mean, uh, Captain Boomerang is great character. He played a, a bit of a role in um, the Blackest Night, Brightest Day storyline in Green Lantern and Green Lantern World. So I, I, I like the character a lot. So it was cool to see him in a movie. And I think they did a pretty interesting job with him. I mean, he's a lot more of a cartoony-type character than he is in the comics. But, I mean, his introduction's fantastic. They pull him out of a body bag and he immediately decks some soldier, you know, and, and, and all that. I, 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 so I liked him. I liked him a lot. Um, he was a, a memorable performance. I kind of wish there was more of him in the movie. And my, my favorite moment had to do with him. It was probably the part that... It got a good laugh for me. Um, but I also, on that note, we were talking about the reshoots and how we feel like they're added for humor. I feel like one of my favorite scenes in this entire movie was probably added later, and that was the bar, where oh, they're the- all sitting around talking. Because that scene, to me, that's what I wanted more of, all of them interacting and talking mm-hmm. and just being... De- but I cracked up laughing when um, Flag comes in, yeah. and he's like... You're free to go. You can leave. And uh, Captain Boomerang's the only one who immediately scoops up four beers and runs out right. of the room. <laughs> There's no pause. He's just gone. 
before he even hears what's going on. He just grabs him and takes off. That was my favorite moment in the movie. So um, I will say he got my favorite moment. I, I laughed pretty good when he's like, all right, you're free to go. And he's just and out the door. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I was a big fan. Well, I loved I love that they um, they snuck a little a little flash cameo in about him yeah. too mm-hmm. um which was kind of fun of course as i say it r- raises to be the, the the one glaring issue with the movie which is where were where was the flash during the whole thing because obviously like this has been a major <laughs> thing that like the world's military can't deal with and they have they have evacuated a chunk of the city and there are no Justice League members. I mean, we know that Wonder Woman's running around at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know. Well, we can that assume the... maybe she's busy. Um, like her movies coming out, maybe she's busy. Maybe um, Superman. He's like dead right now. I, Batman. Part... He just caught these people. Where's he at? Like right. He yeah, I was kind of waiting for Batman to make an appearance at the end or something, which would have been awesome. He's, he's actually in the movie, and he's still not a part of this like right well, I, I thought the whole thing was just to be like a little profile like that's what no that problem. well that's and that's what i'm wondering is that they just didn't express that well is that they make it seem like days have days go by from like the initial enchantress like moment like or the initial well, attack with yeah. her brother yeah. and then it's like then it goes this weird cut where you've got where you've got flag and um june moon um like and they're gonna use her to fight the guy, even though she like unleashed the guy or whatever. But so they've got like they've got um, they've got her there. Well, you don't know she did that yet. I guess. Well, I mean, her... you know, you the audience know it, right. but, they but they don't, don't know it. Flag yeah. didn't tell them that she disappeared. Right, which so is why I think this would have been a better later reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then um, and then that goes south, and immediately Waller, who in the interim has said we got to call the Suicide Squad together. And so you've got them like being shipped over. Yeah, that's and that's where I just realized because when you said that, I was gonna say no. I feel like it's a short amount of time. Like they take it over and they call them in and storm. But then I'm like, no, wait, you're right, because they take it over and then they have to ship them there. They get them out in broad daylight. Like it's at least been over 24 hours right. by the time they're involved. Yeah. At least 24 hours, and it's in the middle of a city. So, mm-hmm. like, it's not... And they've had enough time to evacuate that city. Yeah, my, my initial thought was, no, this all happened in a couple hours. And then you start talking, I'm like, oh, no, wait. Yeah, no, it's at least 24 hours. Like, this news would have been out, and anybody <laughs> else. And Batman could have got there. Like, he, he's, got, he's got that stinking jet. He just jumps in and flies around. Right. He could have been there, at least. Come on. Like, what's he... I'd love to see the cut in the movie where he's on his way. And he's like, oh, missed it. And turns around and goes back like the Lego Batman. Or <laughs> like, oh, driving and then like the Batmobile runs out of gas. Stuck in traffic or <laughs> a flat tire. <laughs> They're evacuating and he's in traffic. Going, do, 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 come on. Yeah, that Gotham traffic sucks, in. man. You just... it's like, yeah, you never see Batman in traffic. He's got a car. He drives over. Somehow never manages to get stuck in traffic. Oh, well, I mean, this is since you side-trailed in every movie on Earth where they have car chases or there's an apocalypse, the main characters drive down the center of the street where every other car conveniently pulled off the side of the road before it died so they yeah. can drive straight through them. Yeah. It's annoying. But anyways, nobody ever well, gets stuck in traffic. I, I thought the, the standout performance to me was uh, Will Smith as Deadshot. Yes. Um, right. Well, and I don't think it's a mistake that you thought that because I feel like he said, "All right, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to be the main, the main story and the hero of this movie." Well, you know, I it's it's, you know, I don't believe, and I'm just I'm just speculating, but I don't believe 
I don't believe he's a stipulation guy. I think if you put Will Smith in your movie, that is the intention. <laughs> like, because I don't think Will Smith can be evil. Like, if you, or I don't think Will Smith can be anything but lovable. I want to see it. I think he, I think he's got the acting. That's why he in wasn't in Django and Chain. But he is. But he can be. I think he can be a stipulation guy, though, because I've heard. I mean, I know for a fact they meet with him, and I know for a fact he turns down roles and gives reasons for it. Like, what? I'm not going to do this because I won't be the guy who does whatever. Well, apparently like, he I've also heard those stories. I think it was Django where I heard that yeah. story, wasn't it? Like, I heard the story of them meeting with him and him saying, well, I can't do it because of this. Well, he was concerned about that, but he also, I think, had um, agreed to another movie, and he was worried about overlap, too. But no, I heard that he wasn't in Independence Day because he wanted um, he wanted his son to have a role in it, and they said no. And so he... See? Stipulation. Well, that's... The... Fine. That's not what I meant, but okay. <laughs> um, uh, but, well, yeah, I thought Will Smith was sort of the, the stand-up performance. I thought he put on a really great performance. I loved his character. Mm-hmm. I don't really know anything about Deadshot. I get him and um, the other Deadpool, D- D- DC Deadpool character mixed up. You Which mean, um, you mean um, Deathstroke? Deathstroke? Deathstroke. Deathstroke the Terminator? Yeah. Uh, Slade, Slade Wilson, right? Well, I no. will say... Yes, yes, Slade Wilson. Yep. I will say that Deadshot in the Flash TV show... Um, you mean the Arrow? Uh, Arrow TV show. And he's in the uh-huh. Suicide Squad episode of the Arrow TV show. Yeah. And I will definitely say that Will Smith's Deadshot is a billion times better than the <laughs> portrayal. And that's the only... Because I love that show. I, I mm-hmm. binge watching it. If you have to watch it week to week, I can already tell you. Wait. If you're listening to this, if you're going to watch Arrow week to week, you're not going to make it. You're going to get bored. You're going to turn it off. Wait, wait you, t- you said Slade Wilson. Binge watch, huh? You were talking about no, I said Slade Deadshot. Wilson. He you said did. Slade. Wilson. Oh, okay. I thought you were I'm talking, talking about Deadshot because Slade Wilson's also right. in Arrow, but, but yeah, so is Lawton. Yeah. So you corrected me. Think I was talking about the wrong person, but your correction was still right. It <laughs> is Arrow that Deadshot is in, not yes. Flash. So that's funny that you you corrected me. Think I was talking about something totally different, right. but you were still right. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. it is Arrow. Yeah. Um, and their Suicide Squad episode is kind of a mess. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, good performance. Uh, my, most of my initial thoughts of the movie. You know, like I said, the scenes really showed the the montage where all the characters were introduced. I don't think that was supposed to be a montage. Like, I really do think that was a huge chunk of the story that was supposed to flow as a narrative. I think it, got all, it all got chucked up in the editing room, and then they had, you know, Amanda Waller dump 10 minutes of expo- exp- expository dialogue. Um, that was weird. And I also thought that the needle drops um, really annoyed me. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was fun. I, I I didn't I thought they were pointless. I don't know. I for the, for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, needle drops is a re, is a reference for using popular music as part of your soundtrack rather than like originally composed music. Right. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought it was a genius way of using it, and it's part of the story. You know, all the music was from the the, the mixtape that his mom gave him, and it's every time. A song plays. It's he. He starts. It's because he's listening to it in some part of the montage or scene or whatever. This is just like, oh, let's play Credence for Killer Croc for some reason. I don't know. Uh, Fortune of Sun. I don't know. House of the. Uh, but I, I was told there is a deep cut as to wh- why they played House of the Rising Sun for the Bell Reeve mm-hmm. introduction. It's because in the comics it's referred to as House of the Rising Sun. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's you know. That's that's a good one, but credence for credence clear Clearwater revival for Killer Croc. I don't get it, um, but those are nitpicky things. Um, but what's up? 
I was going to say really quick, I wanted to mention, you're talking about breakout performances, Viola Davis oh, as yeah, Amanda Waller wonderful. is amazing. If you read the comics, Amanda Waller is depicted in the comics as easily one of the most dangerous people in the DC universe. Um, she is um, conniving. She has, uh, she's always three steps ahead of everybody else. She is not to be trusted. No one trusts her. Um, and she's, and she's scary. She is a scary person. And the part where she, she is awesome. People like how, like what, what, what? <laughs> yeah. That, oh my God. <laughs> Will Smith, that's gangsta. <laughs> <laughs> um, or like, um, what is it? Just, he calls her just a mean lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to me where she, where she get I mean, the, where she just embodies it perfectly is the scene early in the movie with Enchantress and she looks at her and she says, get it girl. Yeah. Um, so good. Uh, yeah. Viola Davis is so good in this. She was very she was Academy Award winning actress, wonderful portrayals. Um, uh, she she sold the meanness. Um, yeah. I also really liked, um, <laughs> you know, the the last we talk about Angel and Buffy a lot on this podcast, and I think you, the, you guys do. <laughs> yes, the, we we talk about Angel and Buffy a lot. You're, you'll the, get in there someday. <laughs> the the final fight, the the climax. The third act where they where they face off against Enchantress and her brother really did remind me of like a season finale okay. episode of Angel. The whole the whole mission did. The yeah. second they're walking up to the police cars in the middle of the street, um, yeah. it felt like you're watching an apocalypse taking place on either Buffy or Angel. Yeah. Um, I will say one negative comment toward the movie about that is it also looked like the quality of the TV shows Buffy and Angel, which at the time were great, but this is a long time ago. Like, it, it looked like a stage. Like, it looked like a soundstage that they're mm-hmm. waltzing up the middle of instead of a city street. But um, but I liked I do I did, too. I liked it. It felt yeah. like uh, it felt like Angel and the team or Buffy and the, the, <laughs> the, the Scooby the Scooby gang marching in to save Yeah, her. and it, I, I can kind of say, like, it makes me sad because I feel like they're there was a darker movie and a better movie initially before the course correction. And I can kind of see like even some homages to John Carpenter in there. Um, but there was one criticism that I read that I thought was pretty funny. Uh, Jordan, Vi- Jordan Voight Roberts, who is uh, directing the new King Kong movie, Kong Skull Island. He said that uh, this was a perfect adaptation of a side scroll, side scrolling video game. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I was like, ah, that's that's a good way of looking at it, I guess. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, and also Sam Kinnaman as um, Rick Flagg was, was great. He's just a great actor all around anyway. He's awesome Joel. at killing. Joel. Joel, Joel Kinnaman. I was thinking, yeah, thinking of the comedian Sam Kinnaman. Because yeah, I, I was going to say that. Yeah, Kinnison. Kinnison, yeah. Sam Kinnison. Because um, I, I was going to say the same thing. I'm, I'm a fan of him it, yeah. it, because of the killing. I saw the killing. He's incredible in that show. If you haven't seen the show, The Killing, mm-hmm. no, really um, good. he's amazing as Holder. Um, and because of him, I actually liked the RoboCop remake. Don't hurt me. Um, I think it's a lousy <laughs> RoboCop, but I liked the movie because I thought he did well in it. Oh, he, I was he, him was he RoboCop? It. He was. Oh. I liked him in it. And then in I this one, in this one, I liked him again. I just gotta say, I think the guy's good. I really like, I like his stuff. And uh, yeah. as Flag, I, I just like Sam. And because of it, I went home and restarted the killing. So I'm currently in the middle, almost at the end of season one of the killing, all over again because it, it brought that back. Yeah, 
Well, and uh, my thoughts on on Jared Leto's Leto's Joker. Um, and actually, the Joker is starting to remind me a lot about uh, a lot of uh, um, Freddy Krueger. And uh, you're talking to a guy who loves Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street 4, and Freddy Krueger and Wes Craven's Nightmare. Those are three very different Freddy Kruegers. <laughs> One of them, everybody hates. And just because, and, you know, just because I like something doesn't mean it's necessarily good. Uh, but I thought he was entertaining. But to me, he's like Nightmare on Elm Street 4 Freddy Krueger. And that is not, uh, I don't find him very threatening. I don't find him very villainous. I just find him kind of funny and fun to watch. Um, so it just kind of depends on your taste, I guess. But I think I think Jerry Little sort of pulled that off at least. Well, I I feel like I feel like he's a distillation of the animated series Joker, Jack Nicholson's Joker, with a little bit of Heath Ledger's Joker thrown in the mix. Yeah. I mean, he kind of tries to sound like Heath Ledger's Joker. But I, I feel like what I what I like about it is I like him being a gangster and I like him being a really obnoxious gangster, and that and I like the fact that people hate him. Like people see photos and like I hate it. I hate the damaged tattoo on his head. I hate all of this stuff about him. You're supposed to hate the Joker. We talked about this in our second episode. Who's to hate the Joker? You're supposed to want to look like him. You're supposed to want to punch him in the face. You're supposed to want to see Batman punch him in the face. Um, and and so like. <laughs> That's that was the thing about the Joker that I liked is like yeah he's a bad guy and he's a gangster and you you know and he's in navigating a criminal underworld the idea that he's some sort of like borderline superhero like chaos god is like that's overplayed itself you know Joker <laughs> for most of his history was a gang lord and to have him doing that in this movie was uh, was refreshing for me to see and the fact that he's Got little affectations you have to pay attention to. Like, I don't know if you really noticed it in the movie, but I know I've seen it in photos. His, like, his, his sports car that he has has ha-ha-ha license plate. Gotham ha-ha-ha license plates, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Which to me means, like, someone in his crew had to stand in line at the DMV to register <laughs> for Homeboy's vanity plates. That's great. <laughs> that is great. I want more of that. I did like that he had that one straight man... Uh, yeah, you know, random dude with a suit and tie, <laughs> beard. He's like, I, I work for the Joker, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, I really liked him too. But I feel like I want, I want to know exactly how much of this was Jared Leto, even the look, because I know, I mean, obviously it's him on the screen, so I see Jared Leto in it. But I mean, I see Jared Leto all in this performance, like. Um, I honestly couldn't watch it, and not because it's obviously his face, but the tone of what he was doing, I couldn't watch it without thinking of the music video for their song, The Kill. It's, it's a kill, right? It looks like The Shining. Isn't that it? Oh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I think so. The it, 30 Seconds 30 of Mars. 30 Seconds of Mars. Oh, from his, okay, his yeah, band. Okay. Yeah, his band, which we can have an argument about that later if you don't think. I think they're amazing as a band. But I've only listened to them like once. Um, I have no opinion. I actually think they're incredible, but they have a music video that's basically, it's The Shining is the music video for the song. Um, and he, his Joker feels like a... It feels like a Jared Leto performance, not in the sense that you hired Jared Leto, this is a performance. I mean, it feels like he walked in and really said, here's the direction I want to take Like it. he created the character. Yeah, basically. right, right. Um, and and I, I, really, I really liked it. I was shocked because when he first walks on screen, I'm like, I'm not going to like this guy. 
Um, I think the perform like it, he starts talking, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. But instantly, I'm like, no, I like this. It is a revolting mm-hmm. Joker. Yeah, he's, he, he disgusts me. And, and he's, that's what Joker is su- he's supposed to disgust you. Right. And like, and like, you know, like Ledger's Joker was a great was a great performance. But like his Joker, you know, he's just everyone hates him. Gang member, gang bosses hate him. Mm-hmm. Like everybody hates him. You know, but you know, he's the clown prince of crime yeah, in but the he's comics. Gary. Like, yeah, I mean, Ledger's Joker is scary. But, yeah. like, you know, but, like, the fact is, is in the com- for the longest time in comics, Joker, you know, navigated the criminal yeah. underworld. He had associates, you know, the, the Penguin would team up with him. The Two-Face would team up with him. You know, and I could see them teaming up with this guy. I couldn't yeah. see anyone teaming up yeah, with Ledger's Joker because he'd probably kill him. No well, one nobody, would trust him. Nobody would team up with him because yeah. he did kill them in, in the movie. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess that's what i say is Ledger's performance was a he, – he was a scary Joker. I would say Leto is a sleazy Joker. Yes, yes. And I like I liked that. He's he's the sleazy underbelly of the city. He's the slime ball who's running everything. He's the guy who you can't stand, but you know if you want something done, he's the one you got to talk to. Yeah. Like he's the one that you you have to be friends with cuz he runs everything. Yeah, everybody hates him, but you've got to talk to him or you aren't going to have anything to do in this city. Like, he, I, I liked that. That's what it came across as mm-hmm. to me. Like, is he scary like Ledger? No. I don't see his performance and go, wow, that's terrifying. I see it and go, I legitimately wouldn't want to have anything to do with this guy. Yeah. Like, if he if he existed, I'd want to be as far away from him as possible. And that's the Joker. That's what he's supposed to be. He's 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 revolting. He's disgusting. He's he's dirty. He's, he's yeah. I mean, He walks around in clown makeup. I mean, come on. The guy's he's, he's weird. I I can't stop thinking about uh, Matt when we were at Fan Expo. Uh, we were sitting on the uh, Frank Miller panel, and then somebody, most of the crowd had already gathered, and everyone was sitting and waiting for Frank Miller to come out. And then someone who was cosplaying as the Jared Little Joker was there, yeah. <laughs> and he stood up amongst the crowd, and he tried to get people like riled up, and was like saying things like acting like the joker and nobody cared mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody did anything they just ignored him yeah nobody <laughs> cared and yet i leaned over to jp and said something along the lines of that guy annoys like i he would annoy the crap out of me i would want to be nowhere near him. which is probably a lot like that guy was probably pretty close to joker like he's the, clo- <laughs> he's the closest you ever get to really meeting joker he walks in the room you want to leave that's the bottom line and if you stick around long enough to talk to the guy He'll probably kill you yeah. just because he thinks it's funny. That's that's it's like that's the Joker to me. Like, unless you, unless you bow to his idea, and then he'll allow you to do business in his city. He's a mob boss. He's right. he's the Godfather, except he's a lunatic who wears. Well, I'd say he's more like Scarface. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yes, more like Scar. I, I will go with yours. He's more like Scarface. <laughs> I agree. Chuck. You had mentioned uh, before we went live in our, in our messages that you had some ideas about Suicide Squad and Evil and Grace. Yeah. What um, were your thoughts on the on, on that? Well, I mean, I was just thinking about it in the sense of, you know, where are the Masters Divinity and the Divinity piece is important part of what makes our podcast what it is. And just I, I thought, you know, with this movie it might be a worthwhile thing to talk about, about the sense that this is a movie about villains mm-hmm. and about villains – being used to do good things but like at the same time like i'm really impressed with the fact well i'm impressed but 
struck by the fact that the movie didn't really try to redeem too many of the villains. You know, they let them stay villainous, except for maybe Will Smith's character. Or Jay Hernandez, uh, Diablo. Oh, well, Diablo. Well, Diablo's character, yeah, that's – how would I talk about him a lot? Because he's, he's, a, he's a big part of the comic – of the recent Suicide Squad comic. Okay. And in that comic, he is a devout Catholic who hmm. feels extreme guilt for all the violence that he has done in his past as a gang person and as um, someone with metahuman abilities who's hurt people. And so he is constantly penitent. Um, and like, if I were to say, I think he prays rosary a lot and like penitence for his sins and stuff. Like he's a very like religious character and he, um, he, he, he wants to see redemption in God's eyes. Um, which I think would have made for a much more interesting version of the character in the movie. But, you know, I like what they, I, I, I kind of like what they did with him. And again, I think it would have worked better if they had done sort of a, if they had revealed his backstory in the bar scene. But um, but speaking of the bar scene, I think that's where the movie tries to set out a philosophical conversation about what's going on here. Because mm-hmm. um, the movie doesn't really get philosophical with it, which I feel like is kind of weird for a David Ayer movie because he seems to be kind of a philosophical guy, right? I mean, Fury yeah. deals with a lot of that. And in this, they don't really do a whole lot of like talking about the philosophy of... Not a whole lot of catharsis. Yeah, not a whole lot of like, well, here's villains doing... Like, can a villain do good? Um, yeah. Can a villain be rehabilitated? Um, I feel like, I feel like the, the at the heart of the movie, this is a movie that tries to be about making up for mistakes in the past, and like overwhelmingly, because you know the, the the Suicide Squad is dispatched in order to cover the mistake that was made with using Enchantress. Um, each of these people have mistakes in their past, um, particularly Diablo and um, and Deadshot, that they're trying to make up for. Um, and, you know, I would have thought that Deadshot's attempts might have been something that could have kicked, you know, Harley Quinn into wanting to, wanting to change her mindset or whatever. But, um, but that, but that whole bar scene has that whole bit about like, you know, where, where, um, Boomerang says to Harley, you know, doll, you're, you're, you know, you look fine on the outside, but you were ugly on the inside. And she's like, well, that's all of us. And then she like, and at another point when Diablo mentions what happened and why he's, why he's so reluctant to use his powers, she's, you know, she tells him to own it. You know, you own that. Don't, you know, sit there and kind of cower from it. Own, you know, the stuff that you've done, you know, and that, I feel like that began to kind of lean into a conversation around some grace, like own your mistakes because owning your mistakes is the only way that you can really move past them. Right. Um, You can't sit there and hold the pain constantly of the things that you've done wrong. And so, like, I would have, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that being fleshed out in the story. But, but at the same time, it does raise a good conversation. I think we could have here about, like, you know, I mean, you know, Waller's whole concept around this, around putting together this task force, as she says in the previews, and you hear in the movie, these are some bad folks that she hopes can do a little good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can, you know, is that I know it's it's a ripe ground of conversation. Can can wicked people do good? You know, I mean. The Old Testament, the Old Testament regularly has stories where God uses the Assyrians to, um, or the Babylonians or whoever to punish the people, the, the children of Israel, as a way to kind of get them back on track. Um, and at the same time, God never excuses them for the for the wickedness they do to the Israelites. But it's part of the the ongoing story there of using their villainy for God's divine purposes. So you know, I don't know. I think there's a conversation there. 
I kind of wonder if that was more prevalent in the original idea of this movie. Because Deadshot's storyline seems as prominent as it is in the movie we saw in theaters. And as much as it's like, yeah, Will Smith is the main character of this movie. There's no doubt. Um, It still feels like we're missing part of his story. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how prevalent it was supposed to be that he's really trying to make up for the person he was and become the person he feels he needs to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting, though, because what they don't do with his character, and I think that this ties into like the you know the own it part that you're talking about is he never tries to go back and say well i I need to i wish i could change everything i did it's more like no um yeah daddy's done bad things he's killed people like his daughter just knows like yeah you've killed people i know you've done bad things um for him it's more like i have this moment now and it's where i go from here that matters Mm -hmm. like i can't go back and change what happened um, so to go, yeah, I wish I could go back in time and not be the guy I was. He, he doesn't do that. He's like, no, now how do I become the person I need to be? And I feel like that's a, it feels like that storyline is there, but it was lost somewhere. Because mm-hmm. the movie, it basically, the movie centers around him. It like, um, it doesn't start with him, but in a way it does. I feel like he's the first character that you really start getting into the movie right, with. Right, And then he's the one you end with. Right. Um, but I feel like in the middle, whatever story was originally winding through it got lost. Um, and it does, I think, play in with the stuff like you're talking about. Because I thought, watching the movie, I thought that Harley Quinn's line was very interesting. But it was out of nowhere as far as the movie goes. Right. Um, for her to go, you need to own it. You've got to own that. Um, well, I was like, wow, that's where'd that come from? Because that was like an interesting, very deep out of nowhere. Well, she is a psychologist. She is a psychologist. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but I feel and like... She's, and, she, and I think funny, she's behind the bar, so she's doing sort of the psychology of a bartender. Yeah, the bartender. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, what, what do you think that it was about that scene um, that made them sort of embrace what they were doing? Because that was the reversal, right? That scene, because uh, uh, Flag told them, you're all free to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was it when they really, change their mind? Yeah, I mean, maybe I wasn't. I don't know. I didn't really catch what it was that made them decide, like, let's just go do this anyway. Yeah, um, I mean, is it is it sort of the point of redemption that uh, maybe they didn't want to be villains for a hot minute? Well, all and of be a like sudden, the guys that got them, or all of a sudden, I'm kind of forgetting the order of sequence here. Is that scene after the helicopter? It is, right? Yes. It's after the helicopter before she... So for Harley Quinn, she lost the person she was obsessed with. So now she's searching for meaning, looking for a new place to fit in. So she gravitates toward the only other group of people she knows who she hasn't murdered. The only people she knows in her life is this team now. So she loses a guy that her whole existence was about in her mind. Now she's like, this is my family. So I think for her it was, who am I now? Is And that's the moment where you see her. Um, Will Smith I definitely think is the that was the one. intent. I don't know if it was executed well. <laughs> no, I don't think any of this was executed yeah. well. We all agree the editing and stuff is horrible in this movie. Um, but Will Smith's character is the only one that I feel like it's clear. Through the whole movie, he's struggling with, how do I become a dad instead of what I was? And I feel like in that moment is when he's like, this is a chance I have to be 
to do something because I think it's either right before that or after that that he tells the guy, my daughter's going to know what I did here. And she's going to know that her daddy is the guy who, who saved the city and that's, did that's, something good. That's the scene. It happens. And that happens in the bar. It happens in yeah. the bar. Yeah, Will so, Smith says to him after, because uh, his uh, flag says, he, he lets on that, you know, he was in lo- he's in love with this woman mm-hmm. um, who, who is possessed by the Enchantress. And so there's personal stakes for him in this as well as, you know, whatever. Right. And so, um, and so that's when Will, Will Smith, after kind of their little conversation, made this whole thing about, you know, yeah, my daughter, she, we're going to go in there and we're going to do this and everyone's going to know what happened. And he, you know, he wants his daughter to know that he was a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him, there is a change. Margot, I mean, Margot Robbie, I mean, the actress, that's who plays Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn just basically is like, I'm in. She's like, what else are we going to do? Yeah, and that's what I mean by I think she just lost what she had. So she's like, all right, I'll go with them. Like, it's just her new her new family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Captain the other people, oh, that's what that's, well, what, that's where the weird part. he runs. He runs, and then he's suddenly back with them. Yeah, and then he Well, uh, I mean, he is Captain Boomerang. He is going to come back. Oh, oh, nice. I've been waiting uh, all night all to use night that joke, guys. That really? Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I feel like Harley Quinn, even in as messed up editing and stuff as this movie is, her character makes sense in that moment to me. Um, she lost the one person that she's obsessed with. Now all she has is this group here. Everybody else has just been either a toy or somebody that she killed. Um, Will Smith's character makes total sense to me. He says it. He flat out tells us why he's doing it. Um, everybody else, I have to admit, I don't know. Killer Croc, I don't know why he cares. Why is he there at all? They're also kind of in the path of the destruction as well. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, we're going (laughs) to save I mean, they do constantly make a reference along the lines of if she dies, we die. Um, So there's always that. But I also feel like it's made so clear in the movie that these are people who don't really care. Like, if she dies, I die, so what? I'll kill her anyway. Would make more well, sense than we're going to save her, because if she dies, I die. Well, and they have this really... They, another thing that they touch on, they don't really do much with, but there's that whole thing about, like, normal is a setting on a on a, on a dishwasher. Um, yeah, Harley Quinn says that. She talks about normals, too. and, like, the, the sense of normal... You know, we're not like them. We don't get that kind of life. You know, because she makes a comment. That's what she says to Diablo. She says, what do you think you're going to, you know... Go to right. soft, go to go to little league games. Yeah, what did like, you think was gonna happen? Yeah, what did you think was gonna happen? Um, and so, like that idea of, I, I think there's an interesting idea. I'd like to, I'd like to kind of mull about a little bit more. Um, I don't have much to say on it right now, but like, but that sense, and then like later, Enchantress tempts them with that. She she yeah. manages to tempt them with a normal life. Mm-hmm. Um, Which Diablo is the only one who sees through it. Yeah, well, it's because you learn that he's possessed by a magical being. Um, I wish you could have seen Captain Boomerang's fantasy. <laughs> pink unicorns. Just pink unicorns, yeah. Which we don't understand. <laughs> Something was lost in editing about the pink unicorns. I think it was just <laughs> added as a quirk in po- like in, in the reshoots, and they just never, they, they just threw it in there for just a quirk for the he characters. He just had a pink unicorn. We don't know why, but he had they, it. The, the, maybe, the Jai Courtney, saw... maybe Jai Courtney brought it with him. No, yeah, Jai Courtney watched Deadpool and was like, oh, unicorns. Oh yeah, maybe. Maybe he just, there you go. He just brought one on set. You know, it day. wouldn't surprise me if DC saw Deadpool and it skyrocketed to number oh, one, and they're like, oh, "So many people oh, think. put it, put a unicorn in it. Like, <laughs> just give him a unicorn, make him be." We will talk about the unicorn scene. Deadpool. I'm just the only. <laughs> thing, I haven't seen. I haven't seen Deadpool yet. I'm the only thing so. that would erase all doubt to me is if somebody else was obsessed with Hello Kitty. 
then yeah. I would be like, yeah, then I'd be like, yeah, it was all Deadpool. <laughs> you, you were just asking the question about like what was the change for everybody, and yeah. I think like the part that I that I found the one character that I find interesting in that scene too is Croc. I like Croc in the movie Killer Croc. I think he's got an interesting arc. Like you don't really pay much attention to his arc, but like he's only what he is because people have treated him that yeah. way. Yeah, they make that. They say that at the very beginning, and you like, and there's that part where like, you know, she mentions like where Harley Quinn mentions like, well, you know, they're all ugly except for you. You're you're ugly on the outside, and he's like, whatever, I'm beautiful, <laughs> and like you realize like which is a perfect like comic type version of the character, and the and then later like he's like, look, I live underground, I live underwater. You're gonna follow me. Like he just takes charge. He's like, you know, he's yeah, tired of being. Here. Yeah, he's like tired of being treated just like a monster because he looks the way he does. And yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm an expert. I've got a skill here. Um, let, let's use it. Which, by the way, that, that leads to another thing in the movie that I think they could have done better of is show the special skills that each of these people have. Yeah. Like, each one of them yeah. should have had their moment to shine. Um, well, and... Sorry. Which you don't get as much. But, but yeah, but there's, that, there's this moment of sort of crystallization, I think, for all of them that, like, they've all lost people. They're all kind of afloat. I mean, it's, I think it's very telling that Katana goes in the bar with them. Yeah, we haven't even talked about Katana. <laughs> She's such a... I like her character in the comics. They do nothing with her in this movie. Uh, yeah, I love she just like, shows up like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> it's Slipknot. Can we do a Slipknot? <laughs> <laughs> Played by a really great actor, by the way, Adam Beach. He's a wonderful native actor. Yeah. Um, and no lines. No lines. He is artless. Like, all he says is he's like... All he says is like, I'm in. That's it. Yeah. And then like he's convinced by he's convinced by Boomerang to try to escape and then they blow his head up. <laughs> like he was just there to show that the nanite bombs yeah, actually work. Bomb I, I was told that that happens in the graphic novel or something. Doesn't it happen? There is I'm pretty Boomerang commits them to I'll have to read. It's probably the, cuz it look this is drawing heavily from the new 52 version of, of Suicide okay. Squad. I may still have my copies right. of that. I'll look and see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's unfortunate because Adam Beach, he's a he's a really good actor. If you ever seen Flags of Our Fathers, he's in that and he's amazing. Um but just so weird. But basically, not to ignore him like they did in the movie. So I apologize. <laughs> but um so basically what I'm finding out is I actually can make sense of everybody except Captain Boomerang. Um, I can make sense of everybody else as to why in the bar scene they change their mind. Um, like I said... Well, why is Boomerang rundown, even there? Yeah, What's his special skill? To give you... Boomerangs. To give you the, <laughs> to give you the rundown, um, Harley Quinn lost the only thing she knew, so she clings to the only other people that ever talked to her. Will Smith is the only one seeking redemption and finds this as his chance to do it. Um, Killer Croc, it's the first time people treated him like something other than an animal. And Diablo has already been searching for redemption, and it's the first time that there's a group validating that, saying, here's your chance to do it. Mm -hmm. But Boomerang. He's a follower, man. He left. He's not, he's Why did he leader. come back? Why did he come back? Just because the boomerangs come back? Why did he come back? <laughs> I think it's just because I think, I think he totally fits into what Holly Quinn said. There's, he has nothing better to do. Yeah. And he just kind of came back to... And he's drunk, too, because well, he's drinking a in, lot. I mean, he left with four beers, comes back with one. Yeah, I think he just in came the, back for... Harley in the original Quinn. cut... Or Katana. He had a, he had a little thing for her. Oh, yeah, Katana. Yeah, he has a thing for Katana. At least in the original cut, that was more fleshed out. Like, they had a... Well, see, and that would have made more sense in the, if they if it was more fleshed out that they had a thing going, that he came back because she was there. That makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah. he's a... I mean, he is a, 
and his character, it's very fitting that he's like, whatever, he'll do whatever. It doesn't matter if he dies or lives. So yeah, it he's makes just sense a thief. He comes, yeah, it makes sense he comes back if he had a reason to be interested in coming back. I guess that was just lost in the editing aspect of the movie. Because um, all the other ones, I feel like they were lost in editing too, except for Will Smith, who flat out tells it to you. I feel like they're all lost, but I can make sense of all of them in our discussion here. Oh, yeah, now I get why all of them did it, except him. And yeah. that makes sense, is maybe he, it was her. Yeah. Or he forgot his pink unicorn. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and for anybody who hasn't seen it, he has a pink unicorn. We don't know why, but he has one. He has it. He drops it at one point. He picks it back up. Like He makes a big deal of putting says it whatever in his, his like, name is. Yeah, puts it in his jacket, back. and then you never see it again. Never. Well, in his profile, it says it's one of his fetishes, so... Right. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the profile thing, did you notice there was there was a line about Robin under Harley Quinn's name? Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't catch it. That was really brief. All that stuff was really brief. Like, I didn't get a chance to read any of it. Yeah. Like, it was so fast. But anyway, for, so for the divinity thing, I mean, sort of the, the aspect of the, 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 for that part of this conversation, I mean, I think, like, you know, the movie does, it deals with redemption issues. There's right, a, that's a big theme, of course. Temptation. Um, I'm really, again, disappointed that there's no real beginning of a redemption arc for Harley Quinn. Um, I was really kind of hoping that they would show her realizing that she's in an abusive relationship and she can get free from that, um, you know, by, you know, finding more positive influence in her life, particularly because in the comics, she winds up having a relationship with Deadshot. Like they become an item. And um, at one point, Joker shows up and he like has, he tries to kill Harley Quinn because of it. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I kind of think that that would have been a much more interesting you know, storyline for me to see, you know, her being inspired by Deadshot's interest in trying to be a hero. Because when I mean, you had that scene at the very beginning of the movie where, like, he's talking to her about spreading the word they're going to try to escape. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, and then when Flag is, like, being taken, he, like, goes to rescue him. And he's like, you know, he, he makes a choice because they're like... You know, good riddance, and he's like he kind of covers it by saying, "Well, no, if he if he dies, we die." Um, but it's clear that he's doing it because he wants to be heroic rather than, and he you know demonstrates his heroism. He goes to a, go, actually goes out of his way to demonstrate his heroism in front of Flag. I mean, the beginning of the of the movie or the beginning of their whole like conflict of the, the, the main like se- either during the second act or whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah. but yeah, that theme of redemption I think is a, is a key part there, and I, in the movie, and it's not as clear as I would like it to have been, but. In a way, I'm somewhat kind of appreciative that Ayer, that David Ayer, the director, um, left the movie a little bit gray because too many movies kind of fall into really clear black and white and it gets kind of, you know, oh, here's a typical, you know, it's kind of, it was kind of interesting to see, you know, incremental redemption rather than like instant redemption. Yeah. You know, it's a slow process. Like, I kind of like the fact that Deadshot, that Deadshot recognizes he's only going to get a little bit of time with his daughter. You know that it inspires him to want to maybe do better in the future, and he kind of indicates that. So that was that's kind of a refreshing thing to see in a movie because I think that's the truth about redemption in, in human life. I mean, I think you know we see movies and everything's instant. You know, I think it's instantaneous. And those of us who struggle with sin, those of us who struggle with shortcomings, and, Which is and everybody we, and everybody, yeah. I mean, those of us who struggle with that stuff, and sometimes we beat ourselves up because it's not an instantaneous change. To recognize baby steps are just as important as anything instantaneous. You know, well, we're not all going to have the dramatic conversion experience where we're like, you know, you know, addicted to drugs one day and then just like clean the next or whatever. 
you know, most of us are going to have a day where we're like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And then we're going to go a couple weeks and not do the thing. And then we'll like slip and then we'll like, oh, I feel bad about it. And then, you know, maybe we'll go four weeks, six weeks. And then eventually you kind of get yourself out of that pattern. And so like, it's in a sense that was refreshing to see a movie that kind of was willing to be comfortable with incremental, like sort of here's the start of the path of redemption. Here's not the whole journey of redemption. Well, and that, and that my honest takeaway from the Harley Quinn storyline, cause you keep saying you wish that it would showed redemption. My honest takeaway from her storyline, I just think it was poorly done. Like it's not clear that you can tell what's going on. Not that it needs to be clear. Like you're saying clear cut. Here's when it happened. But the, the thing that hit me is she, she thinks she lost the Joker so she loses herself in that moment because I mean she's legitimately insane. They're not. It's also not just a reason. Like she's had shock therapy done, but you start to see her become her own person. Right. Um, and the and bar takes scene. The necklace off. And like you said, the bar scene, which I didn't even realize, the bar scene. She literally goes back to being the therapist. Mm-hmm. She's becoming herself again. She literally um, removes a choker. Yeah. This is pudding. pudding so the ch- it. it's a choker. I mean, yeah, that's really like telling, it. right? The thing yeah. around her that's neck true. and throws it. Throws it off. And then she goes, yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, so, that but, incremental change. But what aspect. I was going to say to you is, but you're like, but at the end, you know, she goes, it's all, there is no redemption. She goes back to him. But what struck, what honestly struck me watching the movie was almost a, a sadness that she, it's almost like a relapse. It's mm-hmm. like watching mm-hmm. your friend who you think is, has given up the drugs and then you find out they're back on heroin. Like, I honestly had that kind of a feeling in that moment where he breaks him where I'm like, she almost she was almost free. She almost found herself again. Yeah. And then instead, she's right back into what she was. Well, that's a really good point. I mean, I think it's a and that that that's interesting because I think too many movies try to tell you what to see on screen, and maybe maybe this is an example of a movie where Ayer is just like, this is what happened, but it's up to you to determine whether or not mm-hmm. that's a good or bad thing. That's sort of what cinema is supposed to do in the first place. Right. <laughs> right. That's the essence of cinema. Right. So that that ending should actually be seen. That's kind of, it's kind of interesting because like, so, all right. So in traditional Greek theater, um, you know, all theater sort of breaks down into one of two concepts, either tragedy or comedy. Tragedy is death. Comedy is a marriage. Like that's when they end with those mm-hmm. things. That's what you know what they are. Um, in this movie, which is, has comedic elements in it. It ends with an embrace, which you would say traditionally is comedy, but what that embrace represents is actually it's tragedy death. Yeah, and death. death. Hmm, I like because, that. That makes the movie deep. Because I, like I, I really did. I'm watching this movie, and I see her lose him, and all of a sudden she starts, as far as the character goes, she starts becoming lucid. She starts mm-hmm. thinking again, starts reasoning again, starts talking to people normally. Um, and then even picks up her role as a therapist. She's helping the other guy. She's telling him, you've got to work. You've got to own it. You've got to work through this. Accept it. Um, and then that end scene, the, he breaks in, and she's instantly right back to yeah. right back to just gone, just loopy, all about dumping into his arms. We're about out of time uh, for this week's episode of Masters of Divinity. Uh, but I do have uh, one question for the, each of you. Uh, if you were to be introduced uh, at Belle Reve, what uh, what needle drop would be playing during your introduction? Oh. Chuck? Oh, you would start with me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to need a second on I, this. What would you be doing? Would you be, like, lifting weights in the yard and, like... Well, what, so basically, what would I be doing in prison? <laughs> yeah. 
I, I know what mine would be. I think. Okay. All I right. think. I don't, what would I be doing? Um, <laughs> probably not lifting weights. I don't know. I'd probably be like reading. I'd probably be in. The I know. What you, okay. Can I? Can I come up with something for you? Sure. Sure. I think you'd be cooking in the kitchen. Maybe, okay, cooking in the kitchen. Making making a sauce like out of like Clorox or something. I don't know. <laughs> making toilet toilet wine. Yeah. <laughs> toilet wine. Toilet um, wine. Meanwhile, what is playing? I I kind of want to say, um, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life. Never make a pretty woman your wife. Do you know that song? Yes. <laughs> wow. It's <laughs> a good one. What about you, Matt? I don't know. That's tough. that question just caught me off guard. Well, um, in my mind, Matt's recruiting a posse in prison. <laughs> uh, maybe like behind blue eyes. How about that one? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's like, like kind of sad. I don't yeah, know. I feel like yeah. you would, you know, you would some little more upbeat. Yeah, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know what it's like to be behind blue eyes. <laughs> Isn't that the point to the song? <laughs> uh, um, mine would be uh, "No Strings Attached" by NSYNC. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, here we uh, go. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'd be doing. I don't know. Probably, I'd probably be that guy that like walks around with the with the cart with the books in it, and like, here's a book. No strings attached. So you'd be like. Andy Dufresne. <laughs> yeah, sure. Or like Red, I'd be the guy that gets you stuff. No strings attached. Dun, 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 dun. See, I feel uh, like I feel like I'd be more like Ed Norton in American History X, like folding the laundry. See, the question we we <laughs> might have to answer this question next time. The question is, what song would you play for the two of us when we Ooh. walk into the room? What would I play? Yeah, what, me what, what You're the director. Would, what song okay. would you play when Chuck walks in, when Father Chuck walks in and when Matt walks in? What song would JP as a director play? Uh for Chuck, I would play um Miserloo by Dick Dale. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, cuz yeah, surfer. That's a surf song. Okay. Uh Matt, I would play um it's oh, the man who sold the world, the Kirk Cobain version. Ooh. Oh yeah. I have to go listen see, to it now. <laughs> see, I see. I'm good at this, guys. That's why the what, my needle drops are, are killer. And, and yours would still be no strings attached by NSYNC. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably uh, Firestarter by Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'd use Prodigy. Uh, I'd probably use something like. Uh, uh, you probably haven't heard of Dark Knight by the Blasters. Look it up. Okay. It was using from Dust Till Dawn. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I didn't, I, sorry, I didn't end one on a popular song. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so that's all the time we have. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Chuck, Matt, always appreciate your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Overall, we pretty much enjoyed Suicide Squad, uh, but, you know, the flaws were... Very apparent. Very apparent, and you know it's 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 uh, it's too bad because it's not. I don't put that on David Ayer. I don't put that on the artists. I put that on the studio. I think they forced his hand a lot. Probably. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think that's it's. Yeah, like I said, it had the misfortune of being in the middle of production during the course correction. So I think I think I, I have I have very high hopes for Wonder Woman. I do too. Wonder Woman, I think, is going to be really good. I even kind of like I like I mean I don't know if you guys have seen you seen the Justice League oh, footage yeah. right yeah that looks pretty look pretty good yeah they didn't look, look bad at all yeah, so I'm excited yeah 
All right. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, join us again next week where all three of us will be getting uh, matching damaged tattoos on our foreheads. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I'm going to answer, JP, I'm going to add to your question that the, the actual thing for Matt, I'm just, I can't remember the title of the song. Oh, really? We're, we're, the we're actual thing for Matt is, Const- I'm going to do oh. the scene from Constantine. If you've seen the movie Constantine, when he walks yeah. into the bar and it's slow motion and there's like the smoke in the room and it's playing that song by a perfect circle. I want that song to play every time I walk in a room it's smoke in slow motion. Perfect a perfect circle, really. <laughs> what is the song? It's gonna drive me nuts. If you can, uh, song is a loose concept there. Uh, the you don't you don't Dude, you don't like prog rock? What's up with you? Oh, passive. That was I don't, a perfect circle is not prog rock. Alan Parsons project is prog rock. <laughs> I thought that was Dr. Evil's plan to take over the world. Oh lord. <laughs> Until next week, I will say uh, stay evil, dollface. All right. And and good journey. Good journey. <laughs>